You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Good morning. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You guys sick of this uh, passage yet? All right. Sweet simplicity in what that tells us. Uh, My name is Michael. I'm one of... The pastor's here. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to we're going to jump in and, and kind of wrap this thing up, um, looking at the impact of all the stuff that we've been looking at for the last month in these sh- uh, few short verses. Father, thank you for the gift of of just song and the beauty and the gift of fellowship and of, of being able to just hang out um, for 90 minutes on a Sunday morning to sing to you and about you, and to sit under your word, and to be um, devoted to, to good things together. God, we love you, and we need you. Would you show us that you are the one that, that pushes your mission forward, and would you let us rest in knowing that, that the results uh, of the mission are, are sure because of your work, but, but God, you invite us in to be devoted to you, to be devoted to your people, and to be devoted to your plan. Would you in us put, uh, put in our hearts the, the one day of eternity, and would you let us live our lives in a way that, that, that not only allows us to enjoy that today and forever, but, but that you might use us to bring as many as you would into that one day, and that we might delight with you and with them forever. We love you and we need you in Jesus' name. <clears throat> so, so everyone loves an underdog story, right? And how many stories or movies have been written to spotlight the, the come-from-behind unexpected victory of, of a person or of a team that, that, like, against all odds, they make it happen? Now, most of those stories circle around like a unifying fight, um, a unifying cause, maybe. Uh, maybe it's to take down the bad guys, and maybe it's to redeem a friend or, or to save a community center or to avenge a coach. But, but the template is, is pretty sure it's, it's this ragtag team of nobodies that, that uh, fumble and bumble, and they can't catch, and they can't throw, and they can't hit a puck or any of the things. Um, and, and then uh, throughout the course of the movie, things begin to turn around and, and it ends with some climactic flying V moment where Gordon Bombay calls upon the mighty ducks and he says, you know, ducks stick together. Anybody? Okay. All right. Well, we need to check that one out, okay? Because what he, what he does is, is he says, like, assemble the flying V and then he yells, flying V, and they're down by one goal and it's, it's hockey and... You know, Anthony's like, yes, a Canadian tribute for once, my goodness. And they assemble the flying bee, and they skate down the ice, and they score and go on, and Emilio Estevez is redeemed, right? 
<clears throat> in, in so many ways, when, when we read the story of God and his people, it has the same feeling. Um, from, from Israel to the prophets, you're just like, my goodness, these guys are, they're just nobodies. Like, how could God ever? And then as we transition in, into the New Testament, we see the, the promised Messiah, Savior, King, and he's, he's a Jewish carpenter. And then we see the, the twelve, and the apostles, and the disciples in the early church, and, and they're, they're essentially outcasts in society. Against all odds, we find this band of misfit community devoted to something bigger than, than any one person, than any one of us. And maybe today you find yourself like in the same game, on the field as one of the ones swinging for the fences, and maybe you find yourself part of the family of, of faith. Devoted to Jesus, devoted to his people, devoted to his mission. And I hope so because that's what we're doing here until we die. That's the plan. <clears throat> that's why we exist together. If you're in Christ, then you are a sent one. If you're a Christian, you are a sent one. When we baptize, we often celebrate. We say we baptize you into the family and into the mission. This isn't the end. This is the beginning. Welcome home. Let, let's go build this thing. We're sent on mission as like underdogs. At least it's a way that it feels against all odds to make Christ known and trusted and treasured in this world that is surely marred and broken by, by sin and all of its effects. And yet we see Jesus in John 17 and, and the high priestly prayer. He's praying to God, but there are clearly people around. <clears throat> and he says this, As you sent me into the world, Father, I also have sent them into the world. And you look at that and you say, Yes, man. Man, our job's not to go hide in a cave somewhere and, and read a bunch of books. That's not what Jesus redeemed us for. But, but he, he, he redeemed us that we might engage. As one said, I read this week, like Christ, like Christians. We are an extension of him in this world on assignment. Our being sent into the world is rooted in Jesus' being sent into the world. We are carrying on his mission. And Trevin Wax said in a, a gospel on, or, or uh, an article on the Gospel Co Coalition, he says, before the 16th century, mission was primarily a word used in connection with the Trinity. That's the Father, Son, Spirit, three in one. He said, the sending that theologians talked about was the sending of the Son by the Father and the sending of the Holy Spirit by the Father and the Son. This is a crucial point. We will not rightly understand the mission of the church without without the conviction that the sending of Jesus by the Father is still the essential mission. <clears throat> but when we add it all up, I, maybe we, find ourselves in a place where, where we get the concept. And we say, okay, just as Jesus has been sent, I mean, we are sent into the world. Like, we get it in our heads, but we, but we just, we might not know the play. We might not know what to do. And as we try to be missionaries in this world, we are waiting or we're hoping for, for these 
flying V moments of mission where it all comes together and we see everything and, it's, and the crowd roars and it's the excitement and, and this is why we play this game. There's lots of pressure to get it right as we engage those around us. And, it, and if our job is to, to save the world, then what if we fail? And I remember being a child, a, a, a teenager, um, just talking about stuff. And I remember like the pressure that I felt like, you know, all this year, one generation away from the church, like not existing anymore. So like, you better get out there and you better tell your friends about Jesus. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, and we read things, uh, join the mission. And, and, we, and we, we hear things, go and make disciples, but, but how? And, and love God and, and love neighbor, but, but what's that look like? And, and multiply God's glory on all the earth, but, but how can anyone? And if you, you're part of this church, you hear me or you hear others or you hear uh, the scriptures compel you, boldly proclaim and, and make him known, but, but, but what am I to do to ensure that the mission goes forth? What am I to do uh, to be doing my part to make sure that the gates of hell will not prevail, that darkness will will be exposed and and that light will shine forth now and forever and and that the promises of God will come to be and and that that my neighbor and my family, people that I love, will be rescued from eternity away from God, eternity away from God's people, be rescued, to be snatched from the fires of hell. What am I to do? I I think what we'll see today is this. Gospel mission is the result of faithful devotion to God, to his people, and to his plan. Right? Uh, Effective, gospel-fueled, spirit-powered mission, it's fruit more than it's seed. Right? And, and, and hopefully we'll have a, a little better understanding of that in a few minutes. It's the result of some basic commitments and devotions from God's people. And he uses us in, in uh, a million unknown, mostly unseen ways to scatter seed, to, to plant uh, seed, to, to water that seed, to see it through. But God is the one who reaps the harvest. And so we're in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, we've been looking at this, and what I want us to see is that gospel mission is the result of three things, and the first one is this devotion to God. What we read is, is they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and then we skip down a few verses, and it says, and day by day attending the temple together. That's what we see these people do in this passage in, in Acts, they were submitting their minds and their hearts under God's word, and they're submitting their time, uh, devoting it to worship God together. And all of these devotions that we've been looking at, that we've spent the last month looking at, um, they're, not, they're not the aim. They're not the aim. There's something that we get to do, but the aim is that these people would be devoted to being God's people. And that we would get to do that together. All the other things being devoted to, to, to prayer and to generosity and, and to fellowship and, and all of those things, those are things that help us keep the main thing the main thing, right? They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. That means they sat under God's word. 
That's what, they were a community that sat under God's word. And what Luke is telling us in, in Acts, Luke is telling us that this ragtag group of, of social outcasts were devoted above all to the Lord, to his word, to his authority, to his voice. His voice was the loudest of all the voices in the world in which they lived. And, and it would be unfair to say, well, yeah, gosh, but they didn't have... And they have social media, and like, it's just really tough. There's a lot of voices, and, and they would say, like, I'm sure if, if we get to compare notes one day on whose life was more difficult, like, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that they're going to win, but like, their life wasn't easy. It wasn't like, well, yeah, all they had to do was just follow uh, the apostles' teaching. Because we have, we have the Word, and, and we have, uh, we have, 2,000 years of, of commentary on it. We have history and we have lots of things that, at the tip of our fingers. They didn't have that. But they were devoted to God's word. But, but here's the thing. There are obstacles and there are imposters that, that get in the way of that. And, and what it looks like being devoted to God, there are things that, that we, we kind of hijack that purpose. Like, like they weren't merely devoted to right theology. Like, if you know me, like, I really care about us getting it right. Like, if you're a part of this church family, you should know that we really care what the Bible says. Like, we must get it right. Otherwise, we set ourselves on a trajectory where we're, we're living in light of a, a God that we don't know. We, we have to get it right. But they're not being devoted to merely having a right, right theology or, or having the biggest uh, bookshelf with, with all a, a bunch of dead guys that wrote books about how we get to walk this thing out. Right? Do, do I care about those things? You bet I do. They're not merely devoted to having the right podcast in their feed. They weren't devoted to the word for the word's sake, but, but to the word for the God of all truth's sake. That's a miss that we get sometimes. Another thing, their devotion to God, it didn't push them from the world. Super easy to do. Like, ah, oh, like you might be hearing my words and you say, okay, I want to be devoted to God. And you think that that then begins to put fences up Everywhere around you, and, and nope, it's God, and, and you start ignoring things around you. And, and I think what the gospel would actually do is liberate you to tear down some of those fences. <clears throat> Attending the temple together on the first day of the week, they did that in remembrance of Christ dead in their place, dead for their sins. They did that in remembrance of Christ raised on their behalf resurrected to new life, their life that, that's unified by the work of the Spirit. They did that in remembrance of Christ ascended to send the Spirit, and the Spirit sent to empower us, the church, for the mission to make Christ known and trusted and treasured by all above all. The fullness and the fullest eternal life for all who would believe. These disciples are building their lives around God being the highest priority with, with their time and with the devotion of their heart and with everything else that they had, and they were doing it together. God was the center of this gospel community, and if it's true for them, man, my prayer is that it would be true for us, even today. So when we are devoted to God above all, we won't grow to be more self-righteous, and increasingly judgmental and stingier with our stuff. 
We won't grow to have, have bigger brains filled with all the marks of sound theology at the expense of our hearts shrinking for the broken world around us. Or our hands and feet shrinking and, and not being engaged on this mission that, that God is inviting us into. We will grow in the way that our lives reflect God's nature. Loving, kind, just, filled with truth, generous, warm, and, and we get to be dependent upon Him. For some, evaluation of, of man, what does it look like for me to be uh, devoted to God, it, it might not be, okay, I, I'm, I'm really doing it. Right? I know it's not January 1st, but like I'm committed. I, like, I'm going to read my Bible every single day. Right? You, can do that. you can make that decision. It doesn't have to be January 1st. But for some, maybe you think that that's the issue. And, and what I would tell you is, for some, the evaluation of this might not be how much time, but where is the fruit in my life which proves God's work in me. Read the Bible until you can't read any longer. And if it doesn't begin to show up in the way that you live your life, something's amiss. And for others, it, it may be just the opposite. You think your love for the world is rooted in your devotion to God. But, but it may be a, a God that you're making up on the fly to suit your desire to look like the world. If you hear me, and, or, or you hear any other, any other one that would preach here, or, or anyone, uh, a community group leader, or anyone in this church, or any influencer on the internet, or, an, or as Paul would say, or an angel from heaven... And they begin to declare an allegiance lesser than, than to God himself, above all, to a methodology of the church or to a person or party or program or movement or any other thing, run. And at the same time, we get to know that devotion to God means that we get to engage all of those things and 10,000 more. That we get to seek to understand where the world around us comes from. And we don't just get to lock and load. We get to listen. And we get to engage. And so devotion to God, it doesn't mean that we would draw from all of those things or, or from, from anything. But, but we get to engage all of those things with a clearer focus. Gospel mission is the result of faithful devotion to God. Secondly, gospel mission is the result of devotion to God's people. And they devoted themselves to fellowship, breaking bread. All who believed were together. All thing, they had all things in common. They're selling and distributing. They attended the temple together. They're breaking bread in homes. And they did all that. And they received it with glad and generous hearts. Paul shows us why they're doing this in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. And, and in this, he, he begins to kind of tear down some things. And he's, he's talking to these people whom he loves. And he says, you know, we, we had boldness in, in our God to declare to you the gospel while we were with you. The gospel of God in, in, uh, in, uh, amid much conflict. We didn't come demanding or we didn't come arrogantly or for selfish gain, but 
And then he says this just great line, so being affectionately desirous of you. Gosh, and if you're in seventh grade and you're trying to write a, you should write a note, all right? But if you're trying to send a whatever in whatever format, like use that line because that's just really good. Like, I don't know, I find myself being affectionately desirous of you. That is sweet. He says, because of that, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. This, man, this has wildly practical implications. And in, in, in a couple, right, uh, I hope that you know we are gospel people. We are a gospel community, right? I hope you know that, that Paul is about him some gospel. He's not saying, uh, let's just throw that away. Let's just lo- Can we just love each other? How about a hug? He's not saying that. But he's saying because the gospel is true, we devoted our, our whole selves to you. Right? And so we might hear things like, can't we just focus on the Bible? Like, why do we have to even talk about stuff that's going on out there in the world around us? Or, or like, can't we just share the gospel, often said by people who have never shared the gospel in their entire life? But can't we just? I would say, gosh, we, we really do need to, to know what the Bible says about these things. And we really do need to be about sharing the gospel. But can't we just do that? The answer is, the answer is no. It's what James, it's dead faith. You believe a lot of really great things. That's so great that you believe that. And what are you doing about it? Because we are devoted to God and because He is devoted to His people, we too get to wade into waters where we aren't merely proclaiming the gospel, but because we believe it true, we are free to invest our lives in God's people. That is, we aren't merely heralding truth, but we are living lives that reflect it to those that are around us. This is not easy. It is not clean. It isn't rainbows and lollipops, but look, it is worth it. Being ready to share our own lives that might not always look like an acoustic guitar around a campfire and singing some hymns together. It, it might not uh, look like uh, a cup of coffee and some tranquil sweetness of life scene that's, that's fit for a, a header in a blog about community. It, it might not always look like that. In, in fact, it may look a lot like a messy playroom in, in, a, in a sink full of dishes. That's, that's probably what it's going to look like. Can you imagine at the end of days when you give account for the life that you lived? And you say, gosh, you know, I, I think I would have been more intentional loving the church and loving others and inviting my neighbors into the kingdom. But like, they're just so messy. Can you imagine that? It's just a lot of work. I, I work every day and I come home and dishes and I just, I just ain't about that. And on the flip, if you come into someone's home week after week, by God, 
leave their house better than you found it. If you have a child that's been wreaking havoc on someone's home for, for the last two hours while your community group shared a meal, can you, can you take five minutes? Look, you be the one that says, no, 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 no. You are not going out that door until you get back in here. I mean, do you expect the host of the home to do the community group leader to do that? Nobody's going to do that. And if they do, by the time they do, it's over. If they're going to do that, you already done ticked them off, right? Look, can we be, can we be better than that? And look, this isn't coming at anybody. Right? And I've had a couple conversations about this stuff this week, and several times I said, I just want to show you that I, I already had this written down. Like, I, I'm just letting you know. Do, do dishes. And here's the thing. Like, at, at home, I, I do our dishes. I'm the dish guy. And Kim does that, and, and the kids help out. But I think that's what I do. I think it's coping for me, maybe, right? And so when I spend two hours at a community group meal, uh, it's not me being generous, Rick and Faye, when I show up in your kitchen and I'm just doing dishes. It's me just like, okay, I just need some space. <laughs> but you know what's sweet? And that happened this week. That by the time that's over, there's somebody else unloading the dishwasher. And in my heart, I'm thinking, gosh, this water's hot. But how sweet is this? That there's a community coming together and it sort of looks like a family. It's people opening the dishwasher and putting stuff away that I'm sure Faye's going to find a week later. Where is that spaghetti strainer? Like, figure it out, Faye. Right? That's on you. But how beautiful is that? Right? That's not a sidebar. That's a big deal. All right? Uh, It might look like a messy playroom, and it might look like a sink full of dishes, but don't leave the playroom messy and and do the dishes. Um, It it might look like a late night or picking someone up before a gathering. Or you know what? It might look like for you being in a situation where you need, it might look like you asking someone for a ride. That's you living devoted to community, devoted to God's people. And it it might look like spending time connecting uh, uh, on on the sidelines of a soccer field. And it might look like you uh, on a phone call that that goes longer than you'd hope. And it it may look like you learning kids' names in your community even when you don't have any of your own. And it may look like you carving out space in your calendar or a place in your backyard to invite people into awkward conversations. Or or it might look like you responding to unexpected so so that you might actually give a rip. or, Or for some it may mean opening up your life to be known in ways that you never have. But one thing is is sure, mission is the result of putting God's love on display and and how we love one another. If you don't believe me, you know Jesus said in, in John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples. Why? Is it is it is it by the way that you correct them? Um when you're sitting at the, the staff, uh, you know, lunch together, is it by the way that you correct them and tell them that they're wrong, by the way that they think of it's It's not. It's by the way that we love one another. That, that's how they will know that that's not the only way, but that is a way. The, the obvious question is, if Jesus says, they're going to know that you're, you're my people by the way you love one another, the obvious question is, was Jesus naively unaware of the people that are in my life? He wasn't. He wasn't. 
he, he knows that, that we're all different. And we connect with different people in different ways. He, he knows that. And, and yet, it's, it's about uh, us being unified in our diversity that puts the love of God on display. Two real quick things, super sweet things. One, in the last couple of months, I had a, a conversation with a couple guys that are a part of this church family that are like polar opposites politically, right? And, and they committed to be in community together, right? They're, they're in community together, and they might not talk about stuff. That's okay. But their commitment is to one another, right? For the greater good that they might put the love of Jesus on display. What a gift, right? A couple weeks ago, I had a, a lunch. This is a, an, another story. I had lunch. Actually, uh, a, a couple of the staff had lunch with somebody who, who landed a little differently on a secondhand issue in, the, in regards to some church stuff or whatever. And you know what we did? We saw their Facebook post and we showed up. No, we didn't because they didn't do that. They invited us to lunch and they paid for it. And you know what we did? We talked about the scripture and we talked about past experience and we talked about the way forward. And you know what I did when I left? Before I even pulled out of the parking lot, I called a pastor friend of mine and I said, guess what I got to do today? I got to have a, a loving, civil conversation with another human that's a part of this church that loves the unity more than they love themselves. Your willingness to fight for unity and for love and, and for space to engage relational difficulties, your, your, your willingness to seek to understand doctrinal or practical or political positions of others is waging war on darkness. That is the work of waging war. That is the work of of fighting for unity. It's as much a part of, of the work of a missionary as it is to boldly proclaim the gospel in, in a prison or a street corner. Yeah. I'll, I'll stop that section with this. A quote from somebody on Twitter that retweeted someone else that retweeted someone else. And I don't really know who said it, but it, here's what it was. Many love the invisible church. They serve an invisible mission. They're accountable to invisible elders. They give invisible gifts and constantly complain about feeling disconnected. Invisible church members, they never meet. They pick and choose verses and they enjoy critiquing the visible church. Get visible. Gospel mission is the result of faithful devotion to God's people. And the last thing, it's, it's gospel mission is the result of devotion to God's plan. All right? Again, at the end of this section in Acts, and, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, praising God and, and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is just two chapters after the last words of Jesus in Matthew, the Great Commission, where he said, all authority has been given to me. So go and, and make disciples and, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
and teach them to obey, and I'm with you even to the end of the age. So, so he says on the front end, what I say goes. I have all authority. You can trust me on this one. And, and, and then he goes, so tell everyone about me and baptize them and teach them to follow me. I'm with you. Go and make, mature and multiply and, and all authority and, and, and I'm with you. When we forget the bookends of these things, that, that Jesus has all authority and that he is with us, we just make it about the stuff in the middle. We put on ourselves a weight that we cannot bear. We, we might go all, the gospel comes with a house key, and we live our lives as missionaries and no boundaries and, and no sleep and, and everything, and, and it's, it's about leaving the 99 and finding the one, and all day, every day, for everyone, and, and, until we just can't take it anymore. Till we're, we're burnt out and burnt up, but, but God's plan cover to cover is to redeem the broken and to establish a kingdom where he is God and where his people are his people. And, and just as in creation we see the beginning that God did the work, nothing was, and God made everything that is, and it was good. And at the end of days that he will establish a new creation. That's the end of the book. A new creation. And, and those bookends, uh, in, in between them, envelope brokenness on every page in between. But just in the same way, it's God's work in the beginning and the end. So God's work is the assurance of a fruitful and effective mission. We get to receive God's work. And that allows us to be assured. And that allows us to rest. And we get to join his work. And that allows us to be fruitful. And that compels us to be faithful. See, nothing I'm saying today is, is that we don't have to diligently get involved in the mission. We do. But, but in all those underdog stories, there's, there's a, a magic bullet, a trick play, a moment where, where the soundtrack turns and, and so often, if we think that, that the work of God is on, on these shoulders, on, on your shoulders, on even our shoulders as the village church that, that, that meets in Hamilton, Ohio, we will, we will be crushed by the weight. And, and if you're ready for, for some captivating story, where everything comes together and we get it right, and you want me to tell you that today, or you want to see that tomorrow, I mean, we have to, we have to understand that, that, that the captivating stories that the Father sent the Son, and the Son laid down his life, and he went willingly, and he laid down his life for us, and he took upon all of our sin for those who might believe, and he carried it, and he absorbed the wrath of God, and it killed him. And three days later, he busted out of the grave, overcoming the world, overcoming death. And, and in his resurrection, he invites us into new life. In his ascension, he invites us into his heavenly reign. And he sends the Spirit... And the Spirit empowers the church. 
and local churches just like this one for millennia send you. That's, that's the flying V. And the fulfillment of God's mission is Christ. And devotion to God and his people and his plan, it begins with, with his devotion for you. On the cross and the resurrection, the underdog became the victor. And, and in this scene that's set before us, we too walk in the victory that he has given. And, and it's true, it's, it's already ours today, but the, the fullness of its redeeming work will be on full display on, on one future day when all of this wraps up. Our job until then is to, to believe and behold and build to put his future reality, this future family portrait on display in every part of our city, with, with every part of our lives. And we'll have some wins. And we'll celebrate new life in baptism. And, and you will see the, the fruit of your investment to come along somebody as a disciple. You'll see them begin to be conformed to the image of Jesus. You'll see the Spirit's work in them. You'll see good days. You'll see large crowds. You'll see the gospel go forth. All those things are wins. And you know what? In this mission, we, we will have some L's. And you will share the hope of the gospel with a neighbor. And they might reject you completely. They might cut you out of their life. And you're going to walk with somebody for years. And they're going to disappear. They're going to say, What? Surely it was God's work in their life. But where are they? Life together. Marks of gospel community. It yields the fruit of mission. And, and what do we see that, that God allows to happen at the onset of the mission of the church? As they devoted themselves to these things... We see signs and wonders, right? See signs and wonders. The, the affirmation of the authority of the apostles, God's work for God's glory and the furtherance of the name of Jesus. And we see these wonders not for spectacle or show, but to, to authenticate God's authority and his glory. We see him say, and, and they experience favor with the people. The world saw these people. And they saw their love and care for one another and their devotion to God and, and, and to a God that the world wasn't familiar with. And we know that Jesus said, like, the world's going to hate you. In this moment, God gave them favor. And at times, he might give us favor with the world. But here's the thing. If they hate us, make sure it's not because you're just annoying. And make sure it's not because uh, you're arrogant or, or you're self-righteous. Or you're overly judgmental. Make sure it's because of your love for God, for his people, and for his plan. If they hate you, let it be about the gospel. And the Lord added to their number those who are being saved. Do you see the apostles add to the number? Do you see the disciples add to the number? Do you see the members of the village church add to the number? Because the mission is fruit of our devotions to God, to his people, and to his plan. The Lord adds to the number 
those who are being saved. Do you know this, that God saves sinners? You don't. Breathe deep. Do you know that God regenerates dead souls to life? That's what he does. Do you know that you didn't find God, that he found you? Do you know that he gives eyes to see us in light of our sin? And he gives us faith to believe unto Christ alone for salvation? Do you know that God empowers the church through supernatural gifts and through very ordinary living in community to proclaim his gospel and to boldly live for his glory? Do you know that God empowers the church to live holy lives of love? And we see this in in Revelation 21, this future aim of all this that the mission is, is spiraling towards. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And John, the revelator, heard the words, write these things down because they are trustworthy and true. That's that's the trajectory of life together. That's what what we are partaking. We're joining the mission, as, as Jay Pipes says, mission exists where worship doesn't. Mission isn't forever. But worship is. This is the plan of God. Let us be devoted to him, to his people, to his plan as we are a formed by the gospel and sent on mission community, sent to make, mature, and multiply disciples and and churches in every part of our city, with, with every part of our lives as we gather and as we scatter, even today, fumbling, bumbling misfits pulled out plucked out from the fire and set aside to make all things new by the work of Jesus and the Spirit in our lives. The band can come on up. How do we, how do we commit to gospel community? Trust Jesus for forgiveness of your sin and eternal life today and, and build into your life devotions which stir your affections for God. Build into your life devotions which prioritize church community and, and build into your life devotions which make Christ known, trusted, and treasured. Maybe today it would be as simple as, as taking a step toward Jesus, toward community, and toward mission. Gospel mission is the result of of faithful devotion to God, to his people, and to his plan. We're going to respond to that today and 
in every day of our lives. Trusting him to do the work and, and joining him wherever he would invite us, right? And so we can sit right where you are. You can stand up and sing. You can pray right where you are. There's a prayer bench over there if you just need some space to yourself. There's someone over by that red tree that would love to, to, to bear the weight of anything that you're bearing, right? Would love to pray with you. If you're in Christ, you can, you can take communion, and that's just an opportunity to remember and to declare the body broken, the blood spilled for us that we might receive his mission and that we might be sent on his mission. God, thank you for this family. What a gift. May we be encouraged today, not crippled by the, the, all of the things that we haven't done or that we can't do, but that we'd be encouraged and built up and inspired to, to follow you where you lead that we would lean into you with all of our lives, that we would lean into this family together, that we would trust your plan. And we know that your plan is that we might be bold proclaimers of your good news. Would you give us the power? Would you give us the humility? Would you give us the wisdom? Would you give us the words and the truth to say these things so that our neighbors and our family and our community and our neighborhoods might, might come to know you in a way that we couldn't even imagine. We love you and we need you in Jesus' name.